Today on The Travel Guys. In the travel news, leisure travelers have returned, but business travel continues to lag, and spring breakers are headed to Florida in record numbers. Those stories and more next in the news. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, we talk about the importance of reading all the details of those special offers from cruise lines and the like. And speaking of details, those can also be pretty important in selecting a vacation rental. At 335, we reintroduce you to road reporter Scott Angeletti. Scott has just returned from adventures to Alaska and Yellowstone, and we ask him to share highlights from two of his favorite winter destinations. Finally, at 350, we talk about Russia's war on Ukraine. How are U.S. travel companies responding? Turns out there's a big difference between closing down and halting development. Who's backing up their words and who isn't? Wait until you hear Scott talk about Alaska and the Iditarod race. That is so awesome. We have news, adventure, and a little fun from a complicated world. Welcome to the Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. to Alaska. Go north to Russia's own. Become a smarter traveler each and every Sunday, 3 to 4, here on KFBK. We are the travel and entertainment guys. Mark Hoffman, the travel expert. Tom Romano, the radio guy. And we're brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And don't forget, follow along at TravelGuysRadio.com. Links to our special guests and more. And uh, good afternoon to you all. And good afternoon to you, Mr. Mark. Good afternoon to you, Thomas. Hope all is well. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a, a, an interesting week, and uh, lots going on in the world, and uh, lots going on in the travel world, to be yeah. specific as well. Yeah, for sure. We got a story at the end of the at the end of the hour about companies that, yeah, maybe are not being quite so honest about shutting down their businesses in Russia, and also we've got uh, um, we have a we have found a charity. For those who are looking and want to contribute to the situation in the Ukraine, and you contribute fairly directly to the Ukrainian people, um, one of our one of the people we do business with, um, our limousine company that takes folks to the airport, has a number of uh, Ukrainian uh, folks in their employ, and so um, the church that they attend has uh, in North Highlands has been collecting things for. Uh, folks in Ukraine, not secondhand clothing, but real things, medicine mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and things like that that people, you know, that people can really use. They have already sent out two very large shipping containers, which used to cost about $2,000 to ship and now cost $6,000. they have already sent two of those large containers over to Ukraine, and they have two more ready to go full of stuff, but they've run out of cash to be able to pay to get it there. So I if, can imagine. if you want to contribute or help with this, um, you can go to TravelGuysRadio.com, and there is a link there that will take you to uh, the letter from the church, and you can take a read on it. Um, I know these folks, and I trust them, 
And uh, I know that they're dedicated to trying to make things better over there. So if you haven't contributed yet and you're looking for a place to do so, but you're thinking, wow, all these charities have sprung up that are helping the Ukrainian people, how many of them are really legit? And how many of them can really get the stuff or the money where it needs to go? So anyways, I think this is one of those situations. TravelGuysRadio.com will give you the opportunity to be able to tap into that. All right. Well, let's see. we got a lot of stuff to cover here on our uh, little silly radio show. So at the top of every Travel Guys radio program, uh, we do our best to bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news. And with it, with a uh, pulled uh, side muscle, which is somewhat affecting his ability to to speak in long sentences. <laughs> Here is a breathless Mark. Yeah. <laughs> falling apart. The sm- one, one, piece, one piece is falling off, it seems like, every week these days. I don't know how this happens. I, I, well, you know, it's just a little, it's a little thing, but everybody gets this a few times in their life where they do something sure. and, you know, and you go to lay down in bed at night and you're like, you know, you can't breathe <laughs> or you get this sharp pain or now you find that there's only one way that you can sleep at night and, you know, hanging upside down by your toes is not always that comfortable. Well, so. all right. Let's see, let's see how you do on the news. Okay, okay. We're, we're, if, we're very patient here. Yes. Well, that's good because it might time. it might take a little while. Um, right. Delta United and Southwest all say bookings have come in ahead of expectations after the Omicron wave subsided. All three carriers are facing higher fuel prices, their biggest expense after labor, but they all seem reasonably optimistic that the increase in leisure travel will cover until business travelers come back. And, yes, the airlines expect business travel to come back a little at a time. And by later in the year, barring any reoccurrence of COVID or something else, they expect business travel to be reasonably close to normal. I don't know about that because a lot of the people that I talk to who travel for a living um, are not real eager to get back out there, not because they don't think it's safe, but just because they don't want to travel as much anymore. They've been able to stay home, and so they're thinking that maybe business can be done from home. Um, airline CEOs say they're going to pass on the fuel price increases in fare increases. And if you haven't looked at airfares recently, um, get ready to be shocked because if you pick up the, if you go online and look at any airfares, even things to Los Angeles and stuff have gone up a full 20 bucks uh, ahead. And if you're going to fly cross country, it's going to cost you probably a couple hundred more dollars. And if you're going to fly into Washington, D.C. on a Monday and leave on a Thursday, which is something I'm trying to do in a few weeks, um, then you're going to pay into a prime situation. You're going to pay a really high airfare. So just, again, my wisdom to you is try to make up your mind as much in advance as you can if you're traveling in the next eh, four to six months. I suspect this will be a little better by the fall. Well, all right. Well, that's good to hear. We talked last week about Uber adding a surcharge to their fares and about how we expected that Lyft would do it. Very soon, and Wednesday, they announced that they are adding a 55-cent fuel surcharge to the price of each ride. They say it will all, like uh, Uber, they say it will all go to the drivers. Another story we mentioned uh, previously on the news here was SkyWest Airlines trying to drop 29 cities from their essential air service list. There are cities in the country that are so far away from anything else that the government has decided that those people need a minimum level of air service and that the government will pay for it. So these airlines bid on the essential air service. SkyWest got a bunch of these, and now they're trying to get out of having to provide that service to 29 cities. Um, just to give you an idea what this program costs, it's big money. Uh, it's about $3.5 million to fly two daily round trips on a 50-passenger plane. 
from, from airport A to airport B, 365 days a year. And then if you're not filling up the plane, well, then you've got some other issues. But it's our way of, of making it so that citizens in our United States who are in fairly desolate areas still have access to, uh, to air service. So Southwest, uh, SkyWest, I'm sorry, has said that they want to get out of that because they don't have enough pilots and enough planes. And so the government has said not so much. Look, however, for those airlines, if you're on an essential air pair, city pair, be careful because those airlines will probably start canceling flights that they can figure out how to cancel. So just be careful because that, that may provide an opportunity. If you're going into a small city or you regularly travel to a small city, um, just be careful. TSA has investigated 3,800 mask-related incidents since COVID started. They have issued $644,000 in fines to folks. The average fine, civil fine for violators was $699. So perhaps that's a way to get people to behave better in the plane. On the plane is to get into their pocketbook. The U.S. is getting a new passport design that's expected to be fully rolled out by this summer. So if you get a new passport, it looks a little different than the one you had before. That's why it is. The design is changing. Okay, here's something from uh, Travelers United. This is from uh, a reader's poll that they do online. Is the conflict in Ukraine making you reconsider your travel plans? 41% say no, because I was staying in the United States to start with. 34% say no, I will still be traveling to Europe. 20% say they're reconsidering their plans, and 5% say they're canceling. So that's a little bit different number than a survey we had a couple of weeks ago. It's a little higher number in terms of people who say they will still be going to Europe and also a little higher number in terms of people who say that they will be going into the U.S., staying in the U.S. Uh, you all by now know that the mask mandate has been extended until April the 18th, and so you'll be wearing masks on airplanes and in airports and stuff for another month. The flight crews seem to be determined to continue re enforcing it, so, you know, don't make a, a scene on an airplane. Just get on, wear the mask, get off the airplane, go on with your life. Um, Tourists, Russian tourists, this is kind of an interesting story, Tom. Russian tourists are stuck in Thailand. Thailand hmm. apparently is a place for Russian tourists who have been welcomed for years, and several thousand of them were in Thailand when the war broke out. And, of course, with the ceasing of air service into Russia and a lot of other financially related services, things like credit cards and stuff like that, it becomes impossible to pay, pay your hotel bill. So a lot of, yeah, and including, and there are some, this article also mentions that some Ukrainians um, were stuck in Thailand also. Um, the CDC says that they are making some COVID-19 program changes for cruise ships. This is all incredibly complicated, and it changes about every two weeks. If you're getting ready to take a cruise, I strongly recommend that you go to the CDC website and see what the current policy is. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of those deals from uh, cruise lines in our next segment here. TSA is investing more than $781 million in order to catch Grandma who is smuggling something through the x-ray scanner. No, I'm just kidding about that. Um, <laughs> they're buying uh, $781 worth of new uh, x-ray scanners. They will have sophisticated algorithms um, to help with detecting weapons, explosives, and other uh, prohibitive items that are of danger to other passengers on the plane. So that's good news. And we told you at the beginning of the show that spring break travelers, what number one, two, three destinations that they're headed for, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, 
in Orlando. Fourth is Los Angeles, where you had some family head down, did you not, last week? I did, including myself. Uh, details to follow. Okay, and uh, finally, uh, Disneyland and Disney World and Universal Studios have started a new program called Doctor to Me, uh, Hotel House Calls. They are making sure that doctors are available to, um, all you have to do is visit Dr. Tumi's website. You can book an in-person appointment, choose the right doctor, and medical assistance will be on its way. So that's kind of a cool idea. Look for other theme parks to think that that's a cool idea, too. And if you go well, to travel... going going to theme parks can often in, in, end up with, uh, with injuries and medical needs. Yep, exactly. It's just how it is. And if one of the crowd is sick, the other five still want to go. So let's make sure that mom is taken care of and we're off to Disneyland. <laughs> uh, and finally, if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you will see a link to the best travel companies for LGBTQ uh, equality. The Human Rights Campaign has published its 2022 Corporate Equity Index, and uh, it will tell you which companies earned the highest score um, and who earned the best place to work for LGBTQ equality. And uh, this involves, of course, a huge number of of travel companies so if you're a member of that community you can find that at travelguysradio.com and tom that's the travel news for today making you a smarter traveler each and every sunday three o'clock here we are the travel and entertainment guys and uh, back with you mark hoffman and tom romano thanks for joining us mark okay uh speaking of travel yeah. Speaking of travel, before we get yeah, on to the, to the to the, to the previously sure. advertised subject here, do you think it was a coincidence those Russian cosmonauts showed up at the space station in yellow and blue uniforms Friday? I mean, just because yellow and blue happen to be the colors of Ukraine, I mean, and then they said, well, we just had a lot of yellow material, and you know, the crews pick whatever color they want, and. All of that kind of jazz. But I just, you know, speaking of travel, that's the ultimate travel up to the space station. And it just yeah. seems kind of interesting to me. Um, my guess is that when those guys get home, they may have some splaining to do. Um, but anyways, that was just a, an interesting travel sidebar, I thought. Yeah, yeah, good observation. Yeah, You know, and then again, it might not be anything. But most people who are politicians and involved in political things on that level will tell you that nothing ever happens by accident. So we'll see. <laughs> Anyways, um, crew, travel has started up again, Thomas, and people are going and going and going. I know you made a trip to Southern California last week, so you probably saw that there are tons of people who are out enjoying the hospitality industry, um, hotels and restaurants and theme parks and the like. And so, for sure. Yeah, and the cruise lines in particular, you know, they've got a long comeback to make. And so they are really working hard to get people back on the ship on their ships and i know we have people out there who love cruises and everybody knows that i'm not the number one cruise guys but listen folks these people are conning the crap out of you um <laughs> they they have changed in most cases they have changed their policies for what constitutes a valid cancellation remember these guys got caught by covid so they're tightening things up and that's one reason why you should absolutely take the time to read their cancellation policies. Or some people have what's called a cancellation fees waiver. In other words, if you cancel for these reasons, we'll give your money back. If you don't cancel for these reasons, we won't. 
Um, and in some cases, that has to be documented. Here's an example. Holland America is extending its worry-free promise for bookings made prior to May 31st of this year for cruises that depart before September 30th. So right there, you need to be paying attention. Because mm -hmm. if you're thinking about booking a cruise any time past the 30th of September, this worry-free promise doesn't apply to you. Um, it says that with our flexible cancellation, a guest may cancel for any reason up to 30 days before departure and automatically re receive a future cruise credit. Mm -hmm. Not a refund, but a credit. They're spelling out to you that, that you will only get a credit. Um, you can cancel your sailing up to 30 days in advance, etc., etc. I saw another cruise line the other day. I won't mention them because I really thought this was a shady offer, but um, you can cancel up to 48 hours ahead of time. And when I went to their website and read about what would constitute an up to 48 hours before uh, departure cancellation, it doesn't include a lot of the things that you would have thought that it would have included in this particular program. Now, if you buy cancellation protection or insurance, of course, there'd be an additional cost and you would get some additional coverage. But the important thing right now is that these uh, travel companies, and I'll include tour operators among them, um, have come up with really creative ways to try to tell you that it's safe to travel and it's safe to book. If anything happens, you'll get your money back or you'll get an opportunity to go at a different time. But what they're not telling you up front is that the requirements for, for hitting those markers have changed in many cases. I'm very proud of the fact that I own a company that hasn't changed its cancellation policies one iota um, during all of this. And we have no, no I, I can see cancellation protection, the cost of it going up a little bit, because insurance companies have paid out a lot of claims. But um, we've been able to survive without doing all that razzmatazz. That's not to pat ourselves on the back as much as it is to say that some of these other guys, they're conning the crap out of you. I mean, really, they are. And if you fall for this... And you go back to them and say, hey, you know, I want to cancel. And they say, oh, gosh, you know, um, that's not covered by the policy. Or this itinerary that you chose or the cruise dates that you chose, you know, you see that little asterisk? You're, you're not covered by that. So I'm sure that they're well-meaning, and I'm sure that in some cases these worry-fee promises and cancel right up until the time of sailing are going to help a lot of people. Um, but these people don't do things that cost them money in the long run. So mm -hmm. they've been hit pretty hard. So use your travel noggin here and figure out the fact that cruise lines can't really afford to be caught again. And that's what they're doing is they're protecting themselves against something that might happen down the road. Now, a lot of times people, you know, when it comes to booking cruises and so forth, uh, will use a uh, travel uh, advisor such as a Gwyn Duncan. Uh, yep. What should you what should you ask your cruise advisor uh, in regards to explaining and providing you the information to make sure that you see and have an opportunity to uh, to read all those details? Well, and this is where having a good travel advisor comes in. And I'll put Gwen in that category since I've known her for a while and I know she does her homework pretty well. It would, should be your expectation that your travel advisor, if they're getting a commission for booking you onto something, would do, their, would do the homework for you and say, now this is what you're buying. And these are the ways that you can get out of it. And these are the ways that you can't get out of it. Um, so that there's a clear understanding ahead of time. I don't think this COVID thing is over. That's just my call. I don't think it's over. 
I think we're headed for at least one or two more situations where it flares up and we perhaps have to all wear masks for a few months or get another booster shot or something like that. So I think it's a little naive to act like it's gone away. It's still killing a lot of people every day in the country. So just, just the bottom line to all of this, be careful. If the cruise lines are, are, are selling you something and they're telling you what a great deal they have and how easy it is for you to cancel, read all the details. Look for asterisks. Ask questions before you make the purchase, and then you'll know exactly what you're buying. One other thing here, just wanted to mention briefly. Um, a lot of people are vacation homes and vacation rentals are incredibly popular, um, especially domestic ones for the summer. People are, are renting vacation homes for a month, for a week, a month, all summer. Um, and again, this, is a, this aligns with paying attention and doing your homework. There's a letter here from Chris Elliott's uh, web, a website. By the way, we're hoping to have him on with us next week. Um, people who found out that their common area was a shared area, and they didn't know that until after they'd already paid for their accommodation, that basically they were renting part of the house, somebody else was renting the other part of the house, and the common areas were all shared at the same time. So, of course, this wasn't what this person wanted, and it, they had to jump through all kinds of hoops and finally enlist Chris Elliott's people in order to get their money back. So once again, read all of that fine print. Don't make, take the shortcut that ultimately will end, end up causing you a lot of aggravation, perhaps costing you a lot of money. Take the time right now especially to read the fine print. And the more fine print there is and the smaller type size it is, the less they want you to read it. And that's when that's when you that's when you run like crazy. Yeah, it's complicated. And, uh, you know, uh, here again, uh, whether it's an Airbnb uh, or whether you're just searching for a uh, like a home rental in the uh, the the Tahoe area and so forth, uh, better safe than sorry. Read it closely. And uh, if you have questions or you're unsure, uh, there will be places that you can go and perhaps people you could ask that are associated with that. Uh, with that home riddle. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano with you. Welcome. We are the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And uh, links to our special guests and lots more to make you a smarter traveler, always at TravelGuysRadio.com. Time to bring on our road reporter with Sports Leisure Vacation, Scott Angeletti, just returning from a couple of special trips. Mark, where did you, uh, where has Scott been? Scott uh, is a is a winter adventurist for sure. Winter. He's probably the biggest adventurist here at Sports Leisure Vacations in terms of places he likes to visit. And two of the places on his list that he really enjoys are Yellowstone and Alaska. Mm-hmm. And he's been going doing them for years. And if you saw, Tom, the Facebook pictures from they got to see the Northern Lights, they got all kinds of cool stuff in Yellowstone. So I just thought they were two such great adventures. Radio is kind of theater of the mind that we would have Scott on to talk a little bit about some of the, the things that he saw for the benefit of folks who might be considering an off-the-beaten-track wintertime adventure. Or, of course, uh, Scott will probably do these next year, so they'll always can have an opportunity to go with a real expert. Scott, welcome to the Travel Guys. Hi, Mark. Hi, Tom. How are you? Very good, sir. Very good. Scott, let's talk uh, Let's talk Alaska first, shall we? You've been a regular visitor to Alaska over the last number of years. Tell us a little bit about where you went. Yeah, um, we flew into Anchorage and uh, headed up to uh, Talkeetna. And Talkeetna is the um, 
closest uh, point to Denali in the Alaska Range. So we have a wonderful lodge, the Talkeetna Lodge, that opens up for a few weeks in March. And we all have um, mountain view rooms, and it's just it's just a wonderful, wonderful spot. Um, and we did some uh, dog sledding there in Talkeetna with Dallas Seavey. And um, Dallas Seavey won five Iditarods, and he came in second this year. So when we're doing dog sledding, we actually, you actually probably have a dog that has won the Iditarod. So now, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I got to stop wait, here because wait. sports leisure travelers are not, no. on the whole, um, high school kids. Um, we're, we're talking folks in their 50s, 60s, 70s, mature travelers. So you went dog sledding? Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. So you can either sit in, in the sled and there'll be a musher behind you. Or if you want to and you're adventuresome, and I'd say half of our group actually was on the back of the sled riding their own dog team. Oh Whoa. my goodness! Oh really? my goodness! Did you did you get to holler mush a lot? Sure, you can say mush if you want. Isn't sure. that when that wasn't that what you have to say to make the dogs go? I don't know, Scott. I you would know. know. No, pretty much the dogs. Those dogs want to run, so there's a break that you stand on in the back, and as soon as you let that break uh, off and they don't have any tension, they take off. What's that like? It's exhilarating. <laughs> it's really it's really cool. It's very pristine. It's very quiet. The dogs bark when they want to start running, and then it starts, as soon as they run, they're, they're silent, and you're just going through the forest, tons of snow on this trail. And um, the dogs all follow each other, and it's it's really magical. It's amazing. That's that, amazing. That just that 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 sounds like something I would really want to do, but would almost be afraid to do. I I agree. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm with you there. That's right. So you get the appreciation though. The Iditarod is a thousand miles and takes eight days, and they go do- they they're in there at nighttime in bad weather, minus temperatures. So when you do this forty-five minute dog sled you get a real appreciation of how hard this actually is. Wow, wow, Whoa. that's amazing. Scott, you guys got to see the Northern Lights when you were up there. Yeah, we did. Um, there's a nice, I'll give a little plug to the Aurora Point Lodge up outside of Fairbanks. Uh, it's a new facility the past couple of years, and it's just a wonderful, comfortable place. You're inside, um, you know, with snacks and, you know, coffee or a glass of wine, and when the lights come out, you go outside, so you're not like standing outside in the cold all the time. And it's a wonderful facility. Yeah, you had some you had some great pictures. Now, the Northern Lights, it's, there's no guarantee that you're going to see them when you go to Alaska. Yeah, you have to. It has to have dark skies. Um, so if it's cloudy or it would happen to be snowing, you know, you wouldn't see them. But if you stay in Fairbanks for three nights, you have a 90 percent chance of seeing the Northern Lights. Wow. Cool. Wow. That sounds outstanding. How many times have you have you made this trip to Alaska now? Uh, six or seven uh, times, and we've seen the lights every time except for one time we had uh, just a bunch of snow. And uh, uh, But the trip is just wonderful even if we don't see the lights. I know that's the bucket list thing, but that dog sledding. Uh, we also do the Alaska Railroad that goes by the Alaska Range, Um that's fabulous, and we have the ice sculpture uh, competition, international ice sculpture competition in Fairbanks also. So there's a lot of really really great stuff in there, and it's just really like a magical place in the wintertime. What's your favorite thing to do when you go up to Alaska with people? Uh, geez, I, 
I love that Talkeetna area and seeing the Alaska Range uh, and doing the dog sledding. I think um, it's a really cool little town. Uh, and the, in Denali, in the summertime, you can only see it uh, one, you know, 30% of the time because it's usually covered in clouds. In the winter, um, it's cold and the mountains usually out all the time. They're there. Wow, amazing. So, um, in addition to Alaska, you've recently been to Yellowstone National Park. Yeah, that's one of that's one of my favorite trips. Also, um, it's so different than being there in the summertime. Summertime is very crowded. In the winter, there's only two hotels open: the Old Faithful Snow Lodge, and that's a newer, built in 2000. It's not the old inn that's closed for the winter time. And the other one is the Mammoth uh, Hot Springs. Uh, so the only people that can be in that park are the people that can stay in those two hotels. So you just have like the whole national park to yourself. It's amazing. Wow. So the number of visitors in the winter is minute compared to the number of visitors in the summer. With all those people around in the summer, even still, there is fairly abundant wildlife in the park. What's it like in the wintertime? Yeah, you, you have to see all of the uh, wildlife except for the bears that are hibernating that the buffalo, the bison are always around all the geyser basins, and we walk around all the geyser basins. Um, you can see fox, you can see wolf, there's elk, there's moose. And you can you, actually you can see them even better in the wintertime because they stick out because everything's covered in snow, and you can see the animals uh, a lot better. Scott, uh, when you take folks on these uh, on, on the uh, Yellowstone trip, uh, what is it that... Uh, what is it that they seem to enjoy the most? Uh, I, I think it's that, that solitude and, like you said, not, not so many people. You know, the people that have been there in the summer know how crowded it is. And mm-hmm. we just have these big snow coaches that we going through. It's very peaceful. And, like you said, we see a lot of animals and have kind of all the geyser basins to ourselves walking around them. It's amazing. Like in at Old Faithful, where we stay for two nights, there's um, usually – like 10, 15 people deep, I mean, 1,000 people watching Old Faithful go off. And I've been there with when it's been just our group watching it. Amazing. So with that being said, uh, if you were going to uh, make a recommendation uh, to a traveler, uh, would you say for your first trip to Yellowstone, when should they go? Should they go the winter or should they go the summer? I, Tom, I think you need need to go both times. They're two totally different experiences. Got it. Um, and I like going in March because the day you have a little bit more daylight. It's starting to warm up a little bit. It's not as cold as uh, January and February typically. Um, but that would be my recommendation. We're talking with Scott Angeletti from Sports Leisure Vacation. Scott is talking about his recent trips to Alaska, to the Fairbanks and Denali area, and to Yellowstone. Uh, National Park. Scott, uh, put you on the... I I do want to tell folks that these tours that Scott takes, they're not large numbers of people. What are they, Scott? Between 15 and 20 people? Is that what you take? Uh, Yeah, it's uh, 16, 18 on Yellowstone, and I take about 20 for for Alaska, so yeah, small groups. So it really is a very very specialized experience. All right, I did this for you. I did this to you in Alaska. I'm going to do the same thing in Yellowstone. What you've been there many times in the winter time. What's your favorite aspect of of going to Yellowstone in the winter? Um, yeah, I like the the old faithful um, 
uh, Geyser Basin is 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 really nice. It, uh, that hotel is really nice, and you're right there by the visitor center and in Old Faithful. And there's a, a boardwalk that's covered in snow um, that goes. You could go for four miles walking if you wanted to. And like I said, there's not that many people there, uh, so that's probably my my favorite area. What What is it about the cold weather destinations? Is it just because you like to go at times when there aren't so many people? I mean, obviously, you've picked a couple of places here, Scott, that and, and you've been going for a while, and you have other trips like this that you do from time to time. What is it about the – is it just the lack of people, or do you like going in the off-season? Um, yeah, I, I like the the lack of people is nice because you can experience it more peace, more peaceful – um, it's very pristine. Just everything is just virgin snow everywhere. And, you know, the, the lack of people is probably one of the things. And it, the people that go on these trips are typically more adventuresome people. And I kind of like that, too. We will put a link um, to Scott at TravelGuysRadio.com to, uh, for his Alaska and Yellowstone trips. And if you are interested, drop Scott a short email, and he'll make sure that when the information for next year's trips becomes available that you will get to go. And if you want to go just on your own, just as Scott is, is indicating, know that accommodations and things are very limited, especially during peak times like Iditarod and things like that in Alaska. So you've got to you really have to do your homework and plan ahead. I know we talk a lot about during COVID about how homework was so important, but this is a destination these are destinations that when you're going in the off season and the weather is going to be uh you know, I mean, it's going to be cold, and the number of things that you can do are limited. So it's important that you know what you're getting into so that you can have the very best time that you can. Scott, thanks for coming along and sharing a little bit about those two spectacular trips that you had. I can't say that you won't see me on one of them one some someday very soon. Great. Hey, nice. Great talking to you guys. So much fun. I, You know, I, I, I'm jealous. I wish, This is a time when I, I, I listen to Scott and I go, you know, I wish I were him. I mean, to take take people on such an adventure, and uh, I can tell he just loves it. Yeah, and I, looking at the pictures that he brought back of the Northern Lights and Yellowstone and stuff like that, it just really – and Scott's been doing this for a while. So he knows the ins and outs and the little things that will help you have a better time and not freeze to death, you know, next to a buffalo. So um, it's really it, – they, they are really cool trips. And that's why I asked him to come on is because um, after he had done the two of them back-to-back – and just, uh, I mean, really high-quality adventures. So, And besides that, there are people who, on, who love to go on their own to those kinds of places, and I just really wanted them to know that. Um, you know, you can do this on your own if you want to. It's a little sure. difficult, but um, it's a lot of fun. Anyways, thanks to Scott for giving us the time. I have one question, and you may not have the answer. Uh, I know you know your clientele pretty well. Scott went on both of those within uh-huh. a short period of time of one another. Were there any of your sports leisure vacationers that went on both with him? Mm, gosh, that's a really that good two, question, and I don't know two, the two, answer to two, that. Two separate groups. Okay. Yeah. Mark <laughs> out of the, mark out of the office too long and, and, uh, and stuff like that. That would be you – would, you would deserve a, a tourism medal of honor if you did two of those back-to-back like that. But he's got these you know heavy coats and all this stuff that he takes. He's really prepared, so – Anyways, you can contact him uh, at TravelGuysRadio.com.
You're a manta ray. Can I say something? That's my favorite piece of bumper music. Yeah, mine too. Hey, mute, mute your phone. I didn't think it was muted, but, but you can do it now. Uh, mine too. In, in a, I don't know. Our rotation of bumper music needs to be rotated because I think we get that one every week at 3.45. That's all right. But that's I like okay. that. I, I, really, I really like that one. It, I'll have to play the whole thing for you. It, it, it's actually a full song. Thank you for joining us. Uh, in case you didn't uh, weren't with us earlier, we are Mark and Tom. The Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations, here every Sunday, 3 to 4. You can find us on podcasts at TravelGuysRadio.com, uh, as well as uh, on iHeartRadio. So there you go. Oh, yeah, and at the uh, KFBK website as well. All right, on we go and on to our final segment here, uh, Mark. Uh, well, we, we got a couple things that couple things to talk about here. Yeah, go for uh, it. One is a uh, fairly serious one. We're talking about companies travel companies reactions in russia and ukraine um to the war and and then um i wanted to ask you a little bit about you mentioned before about your disneyland trip and i know there was kind of a catch to that that's kind of interesting that i think folks might enjoy hearing about so we'll double back to that when we get done um the when russia invaded ukraine many large multinational corporate companies were very quick to say you know what this is not good and we're going to cease doing business here and the hotel chains were noticeably a little bit behind. A week or so went by after the initial push with major companies saying, we're not going, and the hotel chains were very quiet. And then one of them, Marriott, came out and said, well, um, that's it. We're stopping all development in Russia. And so the other hotel chains, major chains, quickly fell in line. Acor, which is a brand that the Americans are real familiar with but is a big European brand, which is the biggest hotel chain in Russia, um, jumped on board, and they all said, that's it, that's it, no more development in Russia. And so people said, okay, good, the hotel chains are on board, they're being, they're, they're on the, the side of the good guys. Well, um, a closer look shows that maybe not so much. What the hotel said is that, what the, uh, the hotel chain said, and, and they have confirmed this in, in comments later, we're going to stop building any new hotels and working on building and locating new hotels until this is over. What they didn't say was, we're going to close our hotels and not do business in Russia until this is over. This tells me two things. One, they think that this is not going to be a long-term situation. Unlike McDonald's and the like, they've decided that they don't want to leave completely because obviously the cost of restarting would be fairly astronomical. But I just think it's a little bit disingenuous to come out before the public and say one thing when what you really mean is something else and not take any make any effort whatsoever to clarify it, to leave it to people like us to say, well, wait a minute, um, what does this wording mean? And the other hotel chains have all pretty much fell in behind them, so it's hard to say, well, I'm not going to do business with these guys or I'm not going to do business with these guys, but it just seems strange to me that the hotel industry and Papa John's Pizza are the two holdouts in this thing um, because they just they they for whatever reason, they obviously believe that getting restarted there is not worth pulling out. And I just think shame on them. Um, the guy who is uh, an American who oversees Papa John's Pizza in Russia, uh, he's got 190 locations in the country. He's uh, he controls the franchise agreements and they're not closing. And he says. At the end of the day, Russians appreciate a good pizza. That was it when asked for a comment. 
So, anyways, um, they're not involved in the travel industry, so I'm not here to highlight good, bad, or otherwise with them. Uh, the one other thing I do want to mention is that we mentioned at the top of the show during the news was that um, there is a the Second Slavic Baptist Church in Sacramento, in North Highlands actually, um, is collecting things and sending big old uh, honking uh, containers uh, uh, over to the Ukraine to help people. Um, what they need is money to be able to ship those containers. They've shipped two of them at $6,000 a piece. They have two more ready to go. Um, they just need to come up with the money, and obviously they're, they're looking to their congregation to do that. But if you would like to help, go to TravelGuysRadio.com, and you will find a link. All the deductions are tax-deductible. Uh, all the donations are tax-deductible. And I really do believe that these are folks um, that your, your money will get where it's supposed to go. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here telling you about it. So, Mr. Romano, yes. you, uh, you and your whole family snuck off to Disneyland last week. And when we you did. came home, your family was bigger than when you left. Please explain. It was. It, it was. Well, uh, the trip down was uh, for a day at Disney uh, and a day uh, on the beach uh, marrying my, uh, my, my youngest daughter uh, to her no- new husband, Adam, uh, on the beach. Uh, in Long Beach, we went to Crystal Cove, beautiful, beautiful beach, uh, hiked down a rather a rather steep hill uh, and got there just before sunset. And uh, I had become uh, ordained, if you will, uh, with the Universal Life Church. There's probably a lot of people listening uh, familiar with that. It's a place that you can go and and uh, get your credentials to uh, to marry folks and to bury folks, if you so choose. Anyway, so uh, we we I I had my sermon all together, and uh, mm-hmm. they did their I do's. Uh, it was a lot of tears shed and a lot of uh, smiling faces. And so it was, was that a, cool being the dad and being able to do that? Was that a pretty cool moment? It really was. It really was. My uh, my father in law used to be the king of the family weddings, but he's passed. So I have uh, picked up the torch. Uh, the hard part, of course, is when you get to the who gives this bride. Uh, my wife had to be the bride giver instead of the, the the dad, which is usually the custom. And and so it, it was uh, it was really cool. Okay, and, let me uh, shift. We only got a little bit of time here. Give me a thirty second review of Disneyland now that it's reopened. Did you go? Well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you asked me how much a ticket costs to go to Disney. Disneyland. Well, and I said, oh, I don't know. It's a little over a hundred bucks, something one twenty or whatever. Well, I have in my hand here uh, my one day Park Hopper Tier Three with Genie Plus. Now, all of that rest of that stuff is too complicated to explain. But this ticket for one day with all of that gobbledygook, two hundred and fourteen dollars. Okay. You, I mean, bottom line, don't go to Disney and buy a ticket for one day. No. It's cheaper to go for three or four. Go to so, the stock exchange it, and buy Disney stock because if people are paying that kind of money to get into the park, um, that yes, bodes well for the future. Well, I did that a long time ago. Well, that wraps <laughs> it up. We we are the Travel Guys, and we'll be back next Sunday at the same time. Uh, we're hoping to have uh, consumer advocate Chris Elliott uh, join us from afar. Uh, as usual, to help make everybody smarter travelers. So, well, Mark, uh, you congratulations on your extended family there, Mr. Romano. And, Thank you. Uh, and remember, dance like nobody's watching. We'll see you next Sunday. All right, my friends, stay well. See you next time right here on The Travel Guys.